0: Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles and go over to first Timothy chapter six. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings in just a moment. And before we jump into that, let me remind you that we do have our Israel tour scheduled And the dates, again, are May 7th through the 17th, 2023. And I tell you what, this is going to be an over-the-top tour. This really is the best of Israel. And Pastor Kelly spent a lot of time working with the tour company to make sure that we got the very best hotels. And I'm telling you, the hotels are fantastic. The price includes also, your round trip from New York all the way to Tel Aviv and back. And so much is packed into this tour. And so I want you to pray about going to Israel with my wife and I on this tour. Again, the dates are May 7th through the 17th, 2023. I believe for many of you, it will be one of the greatest trips, if not the greatest trip you have ever taken in in your life thus far, praise God. Get ready. Pray about it, and you can visit the website of our ministry, StephenBrooks.org. There's a link that will take you to uh, there. On you'll see the sliders on the website homepage, and you'll see the one that comes up with the Israel tour. Click on that, and there's the full brochure right there on the website. And just call the number and get registered, and go to Israel with us for this amazing tour. It is going to be fantastic, and people are signing up, and I want to see you on this tour, because we're going to have a great time in the Holy Land. Praise God. I'm so excited about that trip. Praise the Lord. Now, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to go down to verse 9. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings, and at the same time, I'm going to continue along the theme of what i'm going to share uh, in the tithe and offering message because this just flows right into the main message today so let's go to verse 9 and this is paul the apostle writing to timothy writing to the church verse 9 but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and the snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Well, let's look accurately at this scripture again, verse 10 for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now the King James version says it's the root of all evil. So we're going to give room for that interpretation because it's still pinpointing the great danger here with the love of money. Now, when I was probably about 17 years old, I quoted this scripture one time to an unsaved man. He was a homosexual man, and he he surprised me because I don't know how we got off on the subject about money, but he he had quite a bit of money. And I said, well, you know, I said, money is the root of all evil. And he said, you know, I said, that's in the Bible. He said, no, that's not in the Bible. He said, you're misquoting that verse. So I had an unsaved homosexual practicing man tell me that I was misquoting a verse when I was 17 years old That I went back and looked it up and it's, he was right. It actually says the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So of course, we want to be very accurate in our study of the word of God and our interpretation of scripture. And I think that man actually later, I thank him for helping me to see What that is actually being said there, but now, whether he came to Christ or not, because I was trying to witness to him all the time, (laughs) I don't know because I was only around him a little bit, but my friends here in scripture, let's understand what the Paul, uh, what the apostle Paul is trying to get across. And this is dealing again with the love of money. And it is a temptation, the love of it, not money in general, because money is neutral. But money can cause a temptation. It can be a snare for some. You know, um, there were some years back, and there was a preacher that had written a really popular book. And it was popular in a good way. Not, this was not like, you know, church psychology or pop psychology. This was a book full of miracles that he had had take place in his life. The book was actually very inspirational. And inspired many believers around the world. But you know what? While during that time he was on fire, he, as his ministry began to rise, he began to get a lot of exposure to money and something was in him where while he had a lot, he was always wanting more. And he ventured into some things that really shipwrecked his ministry. I remember one time there was an argument that went before the church pastor and the church board because a lady had uh, within the church had given him half a million dollars to invest and he took the money and uh, you know, months went by. There's, there's no investment. There's no return on the money and he spent the money (laughs) And uh, she was all upset and said, hey, I gave you that money to invest. He goes, oh, no, no. He said, you gave that money to me. She just goes, no, no, that's not what I said. (laughs) And so it was a big situation because he was a guest speaker at this one particular church. You know, um, stuff like that just followed him wherever he seemed to go. Matter of fact, one time I, I asked a certain minister who's very well known. I said, hey, do you know this minister so-and-so? I, I heard this argument about, you know, he took this person's money, and a lot of people wondered what really happened. He said, well, he said, uh, he said Stephen, I don't wonder what happened, because he said, I was actually standing there when it happened. I said, you were? He said, yeah, I was standing there. There was actually about 20 people standing there. We all heard the same thing. And she gave him that money for investing. And so he knew exactly what he was doing. He talked a lot of people into them turning their money over to him so that he could, quote, invest it and, uh, you know, give it back to them with gains. But uh, he, he didn't do that. He took it and apparently spent it on himself. And later, he was actually taken to court because he did it again. Uh, This time, he took a million dollars from somebody that he was, quote, going to invest. Uh, That person never got the money back. It went to court. The judge ruled against him. And uh, he had to, you know, technically pay it back. I don't think he ever did. And for a while, I believe he even had to leave the country because of tax evasion and other court cases that were against him. So these things can be... Uh, very, very dangerous, not just for ministers. I'm using ministers for example, because this is my career field. This is the, the, uh, the stream that I flow in, but regardless of where God has you at and as his lifting and his empowerment takes place in your life, you have to be greatly, greatly aware of these things. You know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the early 90s, uh, 1992. But in the latter part of the 90s, and also in the mid, uh, there were some ministers that got into trouble financially. I remember one particular minister, because he lived in the state that I lived in, and he had an incredible anointing, and he had a very, very large church. He began to get into television. That did really well. He was... He was in demand literally all over the world because of the grace of God that was upon his life and the breakthroughs that he was experiencing and so forth. He was in great demand, but you know what? He had a situation where his house burned down. I don't, I don't know how it caught on fire, but his house burned down. So he went on television, this minister, and he told, he told everybody spoke to the camera and told everybody watching, you know, and you had no telling how many people watching around the world and around America. He said, my house is burned down. We've lost everything. <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, all the emotional play that was put into that. We've lost everything. Well, What he did not say is that he had another house and he had a yacht and then he had other houses besides the other house. So while it was true that his house burned down and everything in that home was lost, he didn't tell the people that he's got other homes and he's got a big yacht. I mean, at the least he could have lived on the yacht. (laughs) All right. But he played that that um, ploy of misleading God's people and pretty much also shipwrecked his ministry. Today, you don't hear anything about him. I'm talking about men that at one time were known around the world, and today, you have to search to find them on the Internet. There's not even a ministry website anymore. These things are very, very important. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and the snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. God doesn't mind you having having money. That's actually part of God's plan for you. He wants you to have money. He just never wants it to have you. And that's something that you have to stay alert because money can become a tremendous distraction to your devotion to the Lord. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith, not just ministers, people in all career fields, in all walks, in all stratas of life uh, throughout the church have strayed from the faith in their greediness. And what happens as a result, they pierce themselves through with many sorrows Very, very interesting. You know, over the several decades that I have been in ministry, I have even seen pastors get wrapped up in MLM, multi level marketing, and they have actually uh, tried to pull their church members into it and get all of their church members to sign up under him so that. All of that money is kind of like going up a pyramid to him. And that rises and lifts him up uh, into a place where he becomes wealthy. Uh, and he just, and I, they do it in church. It's crazy. You would think like, hey, look, if you want to do business, at least do it outside of the church. But to pull your own church members into that, oh, outrageous, outrageous. And uh, a lot of those people that I've seen do that, they're not even in the ministry even more. So we thank God for money. We thank God for riches and for financial increase, but we must utilize money very, very wisely, knowing the potential distraction that it can be. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. You know, I'm mindful of one really good church that has a lot of miracles, the pastor is rock solid. And I won't say what church it is, but I do know that when the offerings, the tithes and offerings are brought in on Sunday morning, it is so much every Sunday. They have to take it in bags and transfer it into pickup trucks. It's moved to a certain location and it takes 5,000 people to count the offering, and it takes a couple of days for them to count it. That's, that's not a church in America, but that is a true story that happens to a church every Sunday on the earth right now where the offering is gathered in truckloads and it takes 5,000 people. And of course the church is a lot larger than 5,000, but it takes 5,000 workers to count all of the money that comes in. Praise God. But see, they don't love the money. The pastor and the leaders, they utilize it for continual kingdom expansion. Praise God. Let's look just for a moment at Matthew chapter 6. The words of Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 6. And there are those of you that need to be very cautious in this area because God is lifting you up. And you haven't, as the Israelites were told by Moses, you haven't gone this way before. So going over into the promised land, the land of Canaan, there's many things that are going to be competing for your heart, for your attention and for your focus. And one of those things is money. So be aware of that potential temptation that works in that area. Matthew chapter six, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Now, That means we can't do it. No one, not me, not you, not anybody else. It's literally impossible. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. You just simply can't. It's not possible. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, many believing to be a Babylonian spirit, Mammon originating out of the concept of Babylon of money and wealth. And we're told here that you cannot serve God and Mammon, or you cannot serve God and riches both at the same time. So either one or the other. I believe as believers, while we understand the value of money and we can discern the difference between something that doesn't cost much and something that would cost a lot. I believe that what we have to be able to do is even to esteem riches lightly. Praise God, because there's going to come a day when we will walk on streets that are paved with gold and that exists nowhere on the planet. You know, if you're doing good, if you're going down the road and you've got good asphalt, or good concrete, or whatever the case might be. But in heaven, the streets are actually made of solid gold. Praise God. Gates that are made out of gigantic pearls. And on and on it goes. So in this life, while we understand the value of wealth, we still need to esteem these things lightly, lest they become a snare for your soul. And God wants you blessed. God wants you to be in a place of more than enough. But he doesn't want you to be distracted and have your heart to start turning towards that, where it becomes predominant over your focus on the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. That's fascinating. It's not life more than food and the body, the body more than clothing. You know, I've seen uh, every culture has their challenge. I've seen the French culture. Uh, I've seen people in France is almost like they worship food. And uh, now, of course, not all, not all French do, of course, but some of the highest levels of cooking and food excellence, they they come out of France. But I have seen People almost worship food, worship champagne, worship, uh, all of these delicacies and these foods. And you know, the bottom line is just, it's just food. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. It's not worthy of being worshiped. So there's food. And then there's also these areas of clothing, but you know what your worth is not in how you're dressed. Your worth is in your address your ability to address others with dignity as an ambassador of Christ, full of the anointing, full of the word of God and able to speak a word in due season. It's your address, your ability to communicate Christ to others. It's not in your clothing. It's not in your dress. <laughs> yes. Some think it is. <laughs> and of course that doesn't mean we go around, you know, all discombobulated, But at the same time, we need to realize where the true weight, the true value, the true focus should lie. Praise God. And I do believe, my friends, that it can be a fine line, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to walk it properly. Praise the Lord. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause just for a moment. We're going to bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. And then I want to continue today along this same theme and branch it uh, a little more, uh, open it up a little bit more and take a few branches and travel down those roads and see what we can cover today as far as spiritual material. Praise God. But if today you're in a place where you're constantly thinking about money, then you need to make that shift because you can't serve God and money both at the same time. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. If you'll put him first, which means obedience to his word, bring the tithe in. Okay. Honor him with your finances. Then God will take care of you and he'll work and do great miracles in your life. I think about the very godly saint from Italy, Padre Pio, and, uh, you know, Father Pio. And the Lord worked through him to build that incredible hospital there in San Giovanni Rotondo, Italy. It's a beautiful multi-million dollar hospital. But you have to understand this is being primarily the, these funds that came in to build this. God's working through a friar. Who lives in a little bitty monk cell? <laughs> who hardly ever, his entire life, left the monastery? But yet, God worked through a man like that to build a structure like that. Yes, yes, he didn't love money, and when money came into his possessions, sure, there there's there's some basic needs there at the monastery. You know, there's needs to be food for the monks, etc., things like that. But you know, God covers those things. But then there is the kingdom vision. Hallelujah. So if you get sticky fingers, you you stop all of these great potentials, all of these great things that God wants you to do. Praise the Lord. So let's be free in our hearts. Let's be free. Pastor Stephen, how do I get free? Well, first of all, you need to tithe. The 10% belongs to the Lord. And then also, if you feel that distraction, then you need to sow and give until you break that. It can be a real distraction. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Be delivered from the love of money. You know, we talk a lot from this pulpit about the subject of biblical finances and that God wants you blessed. God wants you to be in the overflow. But at the same time, you're never ever supposed to be covetous or love money. See, there's a balance. You have to find that balance of the word and the spirit praise the Lord. And so if you've gotten over in that place where money is your focus, you break it through the spirit of giving and getting your, your eyes and your focus back on the Lord. Praise God. All right. Right now, let's bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. If you'd like to mail them in, please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654. Now, if you want to bring them in online, electronically, over the Internet, you can do so by going to the website, StephenBrooks.org. And there's a link on the homepage that has a red heart and it says, give, you can click on that and bring your tithe right there. Praise God. Now, if you would also like to sow some financial seed, then you can click on the orange banner that says, Projects, praise God, and that helps us to move forward in those areas. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. Thank you for your giving. May God lift you higher and higher in finances while you stay grounded with Him and stay completely in love with Him. Mm -mm. Praise God. Lift your hands, Father. Bless your people with increase and in their love. For you. I thank you, Father God, for freedom from the distractions that of an unhealthy focus on money can cause. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Feels good to be free. <laughs> not chained, not bound to anything, not bound to sin, not bound to addictions, and thank God not bound to money either, and at the same time, living with your needs met and blessed. Oh, glory to God. It's only possible in Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let us go over to our text today, which is primarily going to be found in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3 and as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to continue a little bit along the line of this same flow and I want to go further with it because we're talking about getting ready to walk, to ride the mega wave of the Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. Praise God. Very very exciting. Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would turn on the illumination of the, of the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we can understand your word. Not just hear some dead, dry message, but receive today. Heavenly manna, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name for our daily bread. Amen. Praise God. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple. At the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So which is actually better, supernatural healing or a $10 bill? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or a $100 bill compared to the anointing that he was walking in. Now we do we do have to be fair here in the sense that we can't we can't not take Peter and John based on this one verse, based on this one story and then permanently classify them into some type of poverty camp. You know where they're all poor. I have a feeling That Peter and John, because of their generous hearts and the lessons they have learned from Jesus, that they are constantly doing all they can, even with their own personal finances, to be an extension of blessing into the local church, to be a blessing to others that are in the faith, because there's tremendous unity flowing right now amongst the believers. Praise God. So we can't. We can't say that they never had any money because remember, we know for a fact that Peter was married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So Peter had a wife, could have had children. And, you know, here we also see the story of John. John's there. And I do believe that the apostles were married, most likely had children, And so they have to be able to pay bills just like you and I do as well. So it's not possible that all the time Peter and John are walking around with no money, you know, looking for a handout or begging. No, they were Jewish. They well understood that poverty was viewed in Scripture, in the the Torah, the Tanakh, in the eyes and then in the mind of God as being a product of the curse as being a product of sin. So they're not endorsing poverty, but they are very liberal and very generous. And for whatever reason at this time, they don't have any money on them. Let us also remember that they did not carry around wallets at that time with debit cards, credit cards, and uh, what we know as, you know, the currency of cash or fiat money. They would have had, silver coins or things along that line. So Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging, begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's greatly amazed. Praise God. Glory to God. You know, there have been times when I, and there are times that I walk around with money in my wallet, but there's other times I walk around with nothing in my wallet. Why? I gave it away. (laughs) I literally gave it away. I sold it. I sold it by the leading, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so that doesn't mean I I'm penniless and don't have any money. It just means at that moment, I don't have any money. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, here we have, again, an area where we have to get the balance right. We have to walk this line right. Praise God. And so, let me give you a little example of what I mean by the proper balance being displayed here. Let me give you a little story just for a moment Uh, A day in the life of St. Thomas Aquinas. Now during his lifetime, they didn't really know that he was going to be this great saint. But that's what he turned into, a great, great man of God. And he's honored today as a uh, very holy man, a saint. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, he had to go visit the Pope uh, due to some church business. And this would be Pope Innocent II. And when he arrived to visit the Pope and to talk with him, the Pope at that moment happened to be counting out a very large sum of money. And the Pope said to Thomas uh, Aquinas, he said, Thomas, the church can no longer say silver and gold. Have I none true? Holy father. Thomas replied, neither can she now say rise and walk. Ah, so we're back to that delicate balance. And as the Pope is counting his money, and this, by, of course, is no uh, charge against the Catholic Church, no more than it would be a charge against the Baptists or the Methodists or the Pentecostals or whoever. But there is a constant challenge to walk this this line of this balance That can be very, very demanding upon a minister, very, very demanding upon even your life and your career field that God has called you to and how you steward money. How you steward prosperity and wealth and your commitment to the Lord to not be distracted from the main thing? Oh, I tell you what it the only way you can do it is by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to lead a crucified life. Oh, because I tell you, there's a magnetic pull in this earth towards things that are temporal, towards things that are carnal, towards things that will pull you in any direction except heavenward. Wow. And you have to be aware of that. So the Pope counting all of that money and having all of that wealth said, hey, we no longer have to say silver and gold. Have I none? But like Thomas Aquinas so wisely replied, Yeah, but neither can you say rise and walk. We, we, we've lost that somewhere along the way. And yes, it's great that we can build all these buildings and that's good. That's good. And it's great that we can, we can do these great things, but we've have somehow uh, lost the anointing and we're not having experiences like this take place. Oh, wow. Things we really need to be careful of. It is a fine line. You know, my wife and I were listening to a teaching by a minister back in the 1970s. She's still alive today. And when we were listening to the message from the 1970s compared to the message that is still being taught today, the difference is night and day. And the, di- the difference is, is that when we heard the message in the 70s, this man preaching this message, it the anointing was so strong. It was just like it was like Samson walking around. I mean, it was electrifying. I don't see how anybody could sit in a meeting like that with that level of preaching going forth and not be saved and not get their life right with God. I mean, the anointing was powerful. But today, the minister still ministers the same good word, still preaches the same good sermons, but that anointing is not anything near of what it used to be. Now, there's a lot more wealth in that person's ministry. There is a great increase, but is the same level of anointing there? Ap- absolutely not. It's, it's not even close. Now somebody could say, "Well, it's because he's older, Pastor Stephen." That's true. I can understand that, but he, but we have to be honest. The anointing is timeless. the uh, The anointing is not something that just fades and goes away because it got weak. No, the anointing can be generated to that same level, but it takes tremendous dedication, and it takes it takes a willingness to not be distracted by the emblems of success. Wow. What is, what is one of the good things of success and one of the challenges options. When you become successful, you now have all these options of things that you can now do that you couldn't previously do. And, When you begin to indulge in these various options, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. You begin to use up, I would say, the most precious commodity that God gives a man or a woman. What is that? Time. The commodity of time is the most valuable asset that you can hold. And you can either use it to stay focused on that assignment Or if you want, you can begin to deviate while you still tried to hold that down while you now start juggling all of this other stuff. Mm -mm, mm -mm -mm. So I think in some ways, this is what we're looking at in the modern church, particularly in the Western world. Let me see if I can give you a few examples. When my wife and I were raised up in ministry, We were raised up under a very anointed minister, a very anointed man of God, a true apostle with uh, like an endless list of signs, wonders, and miracles validating his divine call. And when we were raised up under him and watched how he ministered, and by the way, we're still very close to him today, it, it, it... We got, we, I guess in some way, like I say, we got spoiled because we thought this is normal. We thought this, this is how you flow and this is how it operates. Let me give you an example. He could stand in the pulpit. He could preach a message. Now he's not going to, he's not going to be somebody that is the greatest orator. That's not his thing. Although he is a good preacher and he's not what you would say, maybe the deepest of the deep teachers, but is a very good teacher. But the bottom line is he can preach and teach really good. But here's the difference. He could preach or teach, let's say 40 minutes or an hour stop. Then he could walk right off the platform. He could come right down the steps. I've seen him do it over and over hundreds of times. He could walk out into the audience of a thousand people, and just start ministry. He could get in the words of knowledge. He could in the gifts of healings. He could start moving in the spirit. And the next thing you know, you're in a totally different uh, realm. Why? Because most preachers in the Western church they have become settled. They have become spiritually dormant. And what that has produced is a one-dimensional ministry. And they can't do that. And it's, it's sobering, it's very sobering to go to a meeting, even if it's a conference, and there's a lineup of really good ministers, and knowing that you're going to go to that meeting, and you're going to hear a good message, but that's all you're going to get, because the moment that person is done speaking, they're going to usher him or her out, and they're gone. And they gave a nice message, but that's it, and there is no step down and begin to move in the spirit. Why they can't do that. And I'm not condemning that or judging that or anything like that. I'm just saying that's not God's best. God wants his servants to be able to yes, minister the word, but then walk that line, which is very demanding and be able now to demonstrate the word that you just taught <laughs> and walk out now and minister to the people. You know, when I was younger in the Lord, I didn't understand that. I would go to meetings. I would go to like a conference. Let's say there was a special speaker who is maybe on Christian TV, so he's real famous, and he's going to come speak. And uh, I would think, oh, I'm going to go hear that person speak. And I would think, maybe I'm going to get a prophecy. Maybe maybe he'll call me out and prophesy to me, or maybe he'll uh, lay hands on those in the meeting. Maybe he'll lay hands on me or something like that. I eventually figured out, it ain't going to happen. Why? Because they can't do that. They're going to give a nice talk. The moment the talk is over, boom, they're out. You'll never never—you'll probably never even be able to talk to them. They're gone. <laughs> they're gone. So I, I began to realize, oh, in these types of services, there's not going to be any moving of the Spirit. Now, there can be a blessing upon the message, and God can honor that. But even still, often the messages were very, um, uh, it's just, it's like, a, like almost like a pre-canned, uh, that's what they've been talking about for years and years and years. So they've gotten it down really good. They're going to share that. And it's great. You got to hear it and stuff like that. But there, was, there were no mar- miracles. There, were, there was nothing really that, um, that gave you a divine answer or something like that. So I began to realize when I was younger, Hey, I can go to these meetings, but there, there's no way to even expect a prophecy to come uh, from there because they don't flow in that. And they don't do that. And, um, and of course there's a lot of churches today. They're actually embarrassed of the Holy spirit. They don't deny his deity, but they don't want anything to do with him interrupting their very, very structured meetings. Wow. And so, Within the body of Christ, particularly in the Western church, there is a great rumbling underneath where people are beginning to realize, well, is this it? <laughs> you know, the message could be good. The teaching could be good. Maybe even the preaching's really good. But you know what? There's a giant wave of the Holy Spirit coming. And in order to ride that wave, uh, just like a surfer would ride a wave, you're going to have to be able to stay up on that surfboard, and that requires balance. And that's one of the most challenging things uh, for ministers, and I know in your life and your walk with the Lord, you also have to find that balance. It's like a pineapple. You, You could set a pineapple on your table, it could fall over, and you're trying to find the balance so it stands up. That is the challenge of walking this out with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And I would say that today in most churches in America, it has now become ultra rare, not just rare, ultra rare to have movings of the Spirit where there is good preaching, good teaching, which is number one but then to allow the Holy spirit to move where people are actually having encounters with the power of God through the ministry of the Holy spirit that has now become like the unicorn in the Western church. Now there are still some ministers that flow in that and walk in that we endeavor to, you know, whenever I go out to minister somewhere, it's, it's never just preach. It's never just teach. There will always be laying on the hands of people. And a lot of times when I start getting into that, I don't know what God is going to do, which direction he's going to go, but you have to be willing to step out in faith. And when you do the waters start to part and I see, but I learned that I was taught that literally trained that by my spiritual father. And he took Kelly and I, uh, to meetings with him he'd go to meetings and he'd preach and teach and after about 50 minutes of preaching or teaching sometimes a little less sometimes a little bit more he his Bible and he would just walk out to the crowd he said well now let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to do and you would think well it doesn't look like much could happen here but within about two or three minutes it starts the move and the next thing you know it's, it's blown the whole thing wide open to a, ho- a whole new dimension and that's what we have to do. You're going to have to get that balance, right? Praise the Lord. We do have a lot of people today in the church, even within so-called spirit filled churches who have literally zero knowledge of Pentecost. They have no knowledge, not even any historical knowledge of the depth of the Pentecostal movement, much less having actually seen genuine, valid signs, wonders, and miracles—they're—they're they're completely um, like oblivious to it, even to the point of singing songs like "God does miracles," but never stopping to think. You know, I've never even really seen Him do one. I'm not talking about the miracle of salvation, which is the greatest one of all, but I'm talking about a real, genuine miracle, healing or real, genuine miracle that happened where the power of God came in. They have actually never ever seen it in their entire. Uh, Christian experience praise God but my friends it's going to happen and it's going to be mega it's going to be epic what we're going to see is the teaching movement the teaching and the good preaching of the Word of God which is fundamental you have to have it or you can't have victory in life but that is going to become combined with the moving of the spirit and I want to read to you what uh, something that Kenneth Hagan was aware of he passed away in the year 2003 and he made a comment uh, concerning Smith Wigglesworth. Kenneth Hagin said that Smith Wigglesworth, uh, and by the way, when you think about Smith Wigglesworth, this is classic Pentecostal power operating through God's ministers who understood the Pentecostal movement, the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a lot They didn't know that we actually know today because now of good teaching. But again, they had the power. They had the power. Remember, we, uh, we preferably want to have some silver and gold. Why? So that we can meet the needs of others. Sure. God's going to take care of you, but that we can have overflow. And so that if a person needs a pair of shoes or needs a hot meal, we have that ability to respond. But my friends, the greater, the greater empowerment is that anointing to be able to lay hands on somebody. I mean, Peter reached down and grabbed that person and yanked him up and his ankle bones received strength. So that is something that has been greatly lost in the modern era of the church that is coming back and is all baked into this great wave, this mega wave move of the Holy spirit that is coming. Now, Kenneth Hagin said that Smith Wigglesworth held a meeting right before he went home to be with the Lord in 1947. That was the year Wigglesworth passed away. During the meeting, Wigglesworth said, In our day, we've had a move of the gifts of the Spirit, but very little teaching of the Word. A revival of the teaching of the Word of God is coming. Now it did. That was called the the teaching movement. Some people call it the faith movement. Again, he said, a revival of the teaching of the word of God is coming. After that revival, a fresh anointing of the spirit will come. The combination of the two revivals will bring the greatest move we've ever seen. Praise God. And so this greatest move that we've ever seen is what I'm talking about because these other waves have gone out and this big one is about to come in and i know there's many of us we're out there and we we're actually sitting on our surfboards and we're looking for it and it's it's coming and you know i've done some of that surfing and uh and things like that where you go out there And you're just looking for that right waiver. You're looking for a big one. You don't want to ride a small one because it's too much energy, uh, you know, to have the small one. Maybe it take you in and then you got to do all that work to get back out there. So you want to you want a really big one that not only can take you in, can take you in, you know, with a real rush of a ride. But you just sit out there and you can see the waves form. And some you can tell, well, yeah, one's coming, but it's too small. The, don't waste the energy trying to catch it and then write it. Wait for a really, really good one. And it might take five minutes, maybe a little bit longer. And eventually you do catch that big one. And that's the one you want to get on. And you write it all the way in. But this is what's coming. It's the teaching. It's the knowledge of the word of faith which produces victory, an understanding of how to take God's word, take scriptures, take a hold of them, believe them, apply them in your life, and at the same time, walking with the Lord in a way where you maintain that strong first love that you have for God, and that anointing is fresh, sharp, and active and that is that I'm telling you it takes a lot of work to keep both of them built up at the same time. Mm-mm. Look, uh, I've met people before, I'm talking about Christians where all they do is listen to messages. They uh, it, you, you know, back in the older days, it used to be cassette tapes. They listened to cassette tapes. They listened to all the famous preachers. Uh, today, it's more like YouTube. And they listen to all these messages. And they gain all this knowledge and get all of this knowledge of the Word. But their prayer life in reality is really not very strong. And the actual intimate knowledge of the Lord, uh, they've actually had very, very little experience of encounters with the Lord and the power of God actually being demonstrated, you know, vision, supernatural experiences like that. That's like a completely unexplored realm for them. So what have they had teaching and the word, but see, it's both. We need that fresh oil of the Holy spirit and both of these diverging together. That's the mega wave that's coming. mm. Glory. Glory, glory to God. And if you get both together and you have it working in your life properly, now you can stand up on the surfboard and ride that mega wave that's coming. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 6. I'll give you just an example for ministers. And I know that there are uh, ministers that watch me regularly. So let's go to. The core focus, the core, um, you know, engine that's making things work for the apostles. Now, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Okay, so there's increase, all the good stuff going on. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Uh, and anytime you see the word Helen or Hellenist, that's referring to those that would be of the Greek culture. Praise God! Against the Hebrews by the Hellenist, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, that would be the twelve apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, "It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." What is wisdom? The ability to recognize difference in people. Now, the difference also between right and wrong, good and evil. But wisdom, in many ways, is the ability to recognize the difference in people. In other words, the difference in the apostles as compared maybe to somebody else. Hey, these are the twelve apostles. They don't need to be cooking beans and passing out slices of bread on a paper plate we need to keep them in their flow. Praise the Lord. That is the ability to recognize difference. That's what wisdom is. What is honor rewarding someone for their difference? What is humility recognition of your limitations and being aware of that and being honest about that. Praise God. So here we see that wisdom is being uh, applied because as, as the apostles are communicating and saying, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wow. That's what's happened to a lot of our American preachers. They have left the word of God and they're serving and doing all of these things, which are good, nothing wrong with it, but they're doing all of these things, and have all this money, which is fine, but no longer can they say rise and walk. They can't do it. And some don't care to be able to say that. Why? They're just happy with their uh, gold and silver. <laughs> they don't care about rising and walk. Why? Because they can walk. They're like, well, who cares if you can't get up? My needs are met. Who really cares? Got a big church. Everything's going good. That's all that matters. No, it's not. No, it's not. We need to have the whole thing. And we cannot camp on this area of a half-baked gospel and think this is the gospel of the kingdom. No, the gospel of the kingdom has to be demonstrated, not just talked about. In other words, there, there has got to be proofs that accompany the message that we proclaim. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And that's why we need that oil of the spirit along with the good teaching Mm -mm, Get ready, get ready for the mega wave. Praise God. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Are you doing something today that in the eyes of God might be good, but it's not desirable. It's not really what you should be doing. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I I do have to admit that I do spend some time on that hobby. And it does, it has, uh, you know, carved out more of my time than what I anticipated. Well, how much time do you spend on that hobby? Well, you know, not that much. Just about 30, 35 hours a week. And plus you work full time. Yep. Well, how do you have time for anything else? See, again, time is currency. How do you use it? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Get into your lane and stay effective in that. Praise the Lord. All right, let's continue. It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to golf. Oops. I'm sorry. I have a modern translation, but we will give ourselves continually to stock investing. Oops. That's another modern translation, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And if you don't, you're going to stand up and you're going to say things and it might even be technically correct, but the anointing and the power of God won't ride on the message. Mm, 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 mm. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I know I know pastors. They pastor full time. I know pastors that are active in stock trading. And, you know, I know one, he makes about $10,000, almost $10,000 a month uh, trading stocks. He's a full-time pastor. Well, pastor Stephen, isn't that wonderful that he can do both? Oh, he's doing both. But trust me, uh, if you want to go to a church or you can fall asleep in the sermon, I'd recommend you go to his because there ain't a lick of anointing on the message that he preaches. The message technically can be biblically sound, but there's no anointing on the message. Why? Because he's been focused all week on his stocks. (laughs) Yep. Mm -mm. He's not in the prayer closet. He's over there on the computer watching those stocks. I was at uh, the home of a minister one time, an an evangelist, and he and I were talking. He seemed to be distracted. And, uh, we would talk and every now and then about every two or three minutes, I, the computer would go beep, 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 beep. And after, after about, you know, talking with him for about 20 minutes, I, I just said, Hey, uh, what's all that beeping that takes place here in your office on your computer? He goes, oh, Brother Stephen, he said, Those, that, every time I hear that beep, I get excited because it means a stock that I, I, I've i been trading has just been sold or a purchase for another stock has just been made. He said, I set it all up. It's all electronic. That's my stock activity going on. So imagine that. He's in there trying to pray. He's trying to enter into the Holy of Holies with beep, 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 beep in the background. And he's all excited. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And all this beep, 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 beep. How in the world are you supposed to get into the presence of the Lord when you're in the flesh? You have to get over into the spirit, but you can't with beep, 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 beep. You can't praise God, which by the way, is why his messages are really dry and boring too. <laughs> I mean, you listen to him preach. You think, you, wow, you're thinking, wow, hey, uh, that this is like first grade. Can we go a little bit deeper? Wow, this is like merging onto the interstate where the speed limit is 70 and you're going 15 miles an hour. See, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because they haven't given themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They've been giving themselves all kinds of other stuff. But see, they're content to do that. They're content to do that. Their needs are met. Their savings account is good. Their 401k is looking good. And so they're they're just, they're happy. They're happy. And you're never going to even ever be able to stand up on the surfboard when the wave comes. You won't even be able to stand up. You'll be so out of balance if that's the way you're living. You won't even be able to stand up. Even if you stood up, you're going to fall off. (laughs) Woo! Mm -mm. I'm not saying it's not demanding, it's extremely demanding. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. Because this is something that we all, as we embrace this challenge, it takes a lot out of you. It really does. But I believe that God demands our best, lest we fall off the surfboard and perhaps not only embarrass ourselves, but something even uh, more weighty take place than that. What happened to Dr. David young Cho, Seoul, Korea, World's largest church. You know, when you've got a million church members, your your church is doing pretty good. And by the way, those are all tithing church members. They're all tithers. So you've got a million church members. Technically on the roll, 800,000. But uh, honestly, way over a million. And that, that doesn't count all the other churches that grew out of their overflow growth and but, but, you know, still the largest church in the world. How did they get there? Intense prayer, the preaching and teaching of the word, and a whole lot of prayer, walking close to the Lord. But somewhere along the line, with all of the success and all the trappings of fame and success, uh, Dr. Cho fell off the surfboard. No condemnation. He repented. And uh turned back to the Lord. But it hurt a lot of people. And when he went before the judge, because there was there were some money problems, there were some embezzling, the judge said, You actually deserve because of what you did to go to prison. Be, but he said, because of your your great influence that you've had in previous years of being a good example, that was a great blessing to the nation. So I'm basically going to show a lot of mercy to you, and I'm not going to send you to prison. But his two sons who did the same thing he did, they did go to prison. Now, Dr. Cho passed on a couple of years ago, but I tell you what, when you're up and writing, now the challenge is balance, stay on the surfboard, stay for ministers, particularly stay at Acts chapter six, verse four, Because there will be all kinds of other things that you can give yourself to. Look, I'm trying to get many of you ready for the mega wave that's coming. This mega wave is portrayed prophetically in the Feast of the Lord, the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of the Ingathering, because this is when all of the best of the land is harvested. And there is going to be a great end time harvest of souls, the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the earth. And Jesus said, and then the end shall come. So we haven't done that yet. That is going to be fulfilled through a great mighty move of the Holy spirit. Now let me say this. I do believe that the end time move of the spirit of this great harvest of souls, when it begins to roll, it's going to go quick. And I'm not saying it will only maybe be a year or two, but I think uh, this is not something that's going to go on for a hundred or 300 years. No, no. The end times is a brief period of time and God moves very, very quickly within it. So this harvest is going to be up. It's going to take place. There's going to be a great in gathering of souls. There will also be a lot of equipping that takes place in the midst of that. A lot of training, but my friends, it will demand our all. And what you have to do is position yourself for it now. So would you see it coming? You're you, you get your surfboard and you get ready and that thing just picks you up. And the next thing you know, you're riding. but now you have to stay up. You have to stay up. And as we know, balance can be very challenging. Balance can be very challenging. Do I believe in prosperity? Absolutely. Because it's included in the covenant when we meet God's terms and conditions and we need it, we need it. But at the same time, we're not going anywhere without the anointing. We're not going anywhere without the power of the Holy spirit. It will be a gospel that is only presenting part a without part B, the gospel of the kingdom demands that the message have proofs. Praise God. And of course there's going to be plenty glory. Glory. Glory to God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, those that are watching today, they they want to ride this wave of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, there are some that are watching. They would be willing to take a job that paid more money to live in a certain city. And some would be willing to take it even if you did not want them to live there. What does that mean? That means the balance is not right. But Father, let that change be made. Let that adjustment be made. Father, let us position ourselves in, in truth and in fairness. We thank you, Father God, in integrity and an uncompromising stand concerning your word. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for the anointing of your Spirit. We thank you for intimacy with you, a close walk with you, because without that, life loses value. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Peter was approached by Simon, who had been the sorcerer, but but he was still, that man was still wrapped up in iniquity. And he actually tried to purchase the gift, the supernatural empowerment, that anointing that was resting on the apostles, the ability to work signs, wonders, and miracles. This man thought he could buy it with money. And Peter said, said, May you and your money perish. Mm -mm. Wow, praise God. So there has to be a full, sold-out commitment. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord Jesus. You know, there are dark figures out there that do approach ministers and offer them vast amounts of money if they'll just back off the gospel message. Don't preach against this. Don't preach against that. And if you're willing to do that, we'll funnel some money into you. You'll be comfortable. Everything will be just fine. But my friends, you don't have to compromise. God will take care of you. God will meet your needs. And the covenant is what actually will cause you to shine. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. One more time, lift your hands. Father, I see your people taking their position getting ready to catch the big wave. Thank you, Father. May everything in their life now come into a divine order. Let them over these next three weeks focus on order, getting their walk with you right, getting everything in their life ordered so they're ready to roll. Thank you, Father God. They're ready to go because this is going to grab them and sweep them with tremendous velocity. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. We are in times of consecration. Praise God because the Lord is getting ready to move. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need Jesus because you can't go to heaven without him. There is no other mediator between God and man except Christ Jesus. So if you want to go to heaven and escape hell, then you need Jesus. If you want your sins forgiven and you want to be clean and pure, then accept Christ. Call upon him right now. Pray this prayer out loud. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Save me now. Jesus, I give my life to you completely. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, from this day forward, step into my life and lead me and guide me. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God. Welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. You're born again now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. My friends, let's take Holy Communion together. Mm -mm. Grab some unleavened bread. A little cracker will do. A piece of bread will do. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray over it. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it and set it apart as holy. We thank you that this is now the flesh and blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for holiness. We thank you for being set apart. We thank you for balance. Help us to get it right. The Word and the Spirit. Thank you, O God. Thank you, Father God. Help us to be positioned for the great, mighty move of your Spirit. We thank you, Father. It is coming upon us We thank you, Father God. Let there be divine order established in the lives of your people. No silly distractions right now. Father, there are some that are watching that have strong distractions, and you're going to have to get the balance right. You're going to have to deal with that, or you're going to be out of balance. You won't be able to ride your surfboard. Father, help them to get it right. Help them to get right. We thank you, Father God, for your grace, Floyd, right now. In Jesus' name, deal with that thing by God's grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that what is not in Christ, Is not permitted to be in us. We thank you that Jesus was not distracted. He was a man on a mission. He enjoyed his life, but he never lost sight of the mission. And he never allowed distractions to get him off course. Thank you, Father God. We give you praise. We give you praise. The Holy Spirit is placing certain restrictions upon some of you. And you think, Lord, why? It's because of the calling. It's because of the assignment. And yes, it's true. You can't do what some others do because of the destiny that God has for you. That's very, very important for you to fulfill. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We forgive anybody that has sinned against us. We bless them. And we move on with you. We thank you, Father, for clean hearts, clean hands. And a right walk with you. Father we thank you for a clean conscience. And we give you praise. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I remember one time when I was traveling in the motor home, my wife and I preaching all over the country. And uh, one day when I was driving in the motor home, it shut off on me. And it happened to do so when I was driving down the Interstate 40, which crosses the country. And I was on another cross-country trip and it shut down on me and uh, wouldn't start wouldn't restart and I'm trying to I'm trying to get off the interstate well I took the first exit and the the motorhome was completely turned off I took the first exit the light at the exit turned green I had some momentum I was still rolling I took the turn. And then there was another light that turned green. I rolled through that also. The motorhome was completely turned off. And then I saw a big parking lot. I rolled there into the parking lot and eventually came to a complete stop. I couldn't get it started back up. I didn't know what was wrong with it. Then I stopped and thought, where am I? And I had rolled into the parking lot of Bellevue Baptist Church. And a truck pulled up. It was one of the workers there, and uh, he had a pickup truck, and he rolled his window down. He said, everything okay? I said, well, we're fine, but something's wrong with the motorhome. And um, he said, wait here. I said, well, I certainly will. I can't go anywhere. And within just a few minutes after that, another truck p- pulled up. He had gotten on his uh, walkie-talkie and had called their automotive department. What I didn't know is I just rolled onto the church campus where this church, uh, they had about, at that time, maybe maybe 15 or 20 buses, big diesel buses. And they had a full-time automotive department. And so they just sent a couple of guys from their automotive team over, and they began to go to work on my motorhome and try to figure out what was wrong with it. And um, basically what was wrong with it was the fuel pump had gone out. And it was $1,500. Well, later that day, uh, by the way, we were there for a couple of days. They put us up, took good care of us. They had a full RV hookup. We plugged into it. And um, we just couldn't go anywhere because the engine wouldn't start. But, you know, I've got a generator. And we're all comfortable and had a great time, actually, while we were there. Um, But what happened is uh, I called my friend, Dr. Wade Taylor, one of my mentors at that time. And uh, we were just talking along. He said, well, Stephen, where are you at today? I said, well, I'm uh, in Tennessee, uh, kind of stuck here because I've got a problem with the motor home." He said, well, what's wrong? I said, well, the fuel pump's gone out. He said, how much does it cost to get a new one and have it put in? I said, $1,500. He paused for a moment, and he said, well, isn't that interesting? I just happen to have right now $1,500 on me. He said, I'm going to send it to you immediately so that you can go get that new fuel pump. And so he sent the money immediately. I was able to get it replaced and put in. Of course, as soon as they put it in, it works perfectly. The brand new one was perfect. They diagnosed the problem perfectly. Perfectly. And, you know, I talked with Wade a few days after that, and he said, I'm so glad I had that money. I said, well, me too. He said, I, and, and he said, I just happen to have it. You know, he said, normally I wouldn't walk around and have that on me, but I just happened to have that exact amount. Isn't that fascinating? Now, the moment he gave it, uh, he could have literally said to somebody, silver and gold have I none, <laughs> but such as I have. But see, the thing about him is he had both. He would have those uh, th- that ability to have a blessing like that and he would often uh, not not often but he he would often have that financial strength but he also had that anointing the the flow in that anointing praise God thank you Jesus my friends develop yourself in the Lord so you are walking in the fullness of what God has for you praise the Lord glory. Glory to God. I see you as always having your deeds met. I see you when it's needed, always being in the overflow so that you can respond in those Holy Spirit opportunities. Praise God. Glory to God. And I also see you understanding that the true focus is that anointing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which does things that money could never do. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. I have met ultra rich people with uh, net worths that are over a hundred million dollars and they have expressed their exasperation of situations in their life that money can't fix because it takes something beyond money. It's now over in the God factor. It's only stuff that God can do this must be our primary strength. Praise God. Father, bless your people today. I thank you for balance and that ability to ride the Holy Spirit surfboard of that tremendous wave of your spirit that's coming in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. And my friends, as we say goodbye for today, please don't forget about our tour for Israel, May 7th through the 17th, 2023. It's going to be tremendous. Please call the 800 number, sign up and register because I want to see you on that tour. We're going to have a tremendous time together. The number 1-800-929-4684, option two. And yes, we have had people inquire that want to go on the tour, but they don't live in America. They live in another country, maybe the UK or something like that. They're asking uh, Pastor Stephen, can we go, uh, but we're flying in from a different location. Yes, you can. The travel company will work with you on that, and they'll they'll make everything smooth and easy for you. Call them and get registered, regardless of where you're at in the world. Let's go to Israel together. Have a great time. Get signed up. And again, thank you for watching. Have a great week. Bye-bye.